This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullane Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears. Busy day, busy week. At Hallis Hall with the Bears, we're going to cover the Montez Sweat trade. We're going to talk about Jalen Johnson sticking around and also, obviously, the quarterback situation with Justin yeah. Fields sitting out another game and Tyson Bajan starting his third straight against the Saints. Dan, it's been a busy day. I think the Montez Sweat trade is the biggest news. How surprised are you that the Bears gave up a second rounder for the 27-year-old defensive end from Washington? Uh, moderately surprised. To be honest with you, I think we can uh, get into this in, in more detail here soon. They're obviously acquiring a, a very good and established pass rusher, a guy who uh, is as valuable for the, the the hits that he puts on quarterbacks as he is for the sacks that he gets. But now the question is the price. You know, when there's two prices that you pay in a deal like this, David, it's the draft capital you give up, which I think we're all sort of uh, assuming is going to be a top 40 pick in the 2024 draft. And then it's the money that you're going to have to pay Montez Sweat to keep him as a part of your program beyond the season. It's going to be very interesting to see what those extension talks and numbers turn out to be. That's a huge part of this this entire equation right now um, because, uh, you know, you, you would hope we'd get more information on that the next time that we hear from Ryan Poles, which the assumption is that would be on, on Wednesday. I think the obviously fans want to get excited about the fact that the Bears go out and they acquire a pass rusher. You need a great edge rusher to be a great defense. And every, you know, playoff contender, every Super Bowl contender needs edge rusher, cornerback, quarterback, that kind of combination. And I think that's why you want to say, oh, yeah, great job, Brian Poles. The lesson of 2022 with the trade deadline is that when you give up this kind of draft capital, a second rounder that is in in many ways, as you say, top 40, could be a top 35 pick. It just depends on how bad the Bears are in the second half. I think the lesson of Chase Claypool is that you're cautiously optimistic that this will be a very smart deal, but you just don't know because, number one, the kind of performance you're going to get, probably more predictable from Sweat than Claypool, but number two, is he going to stay around? Because you better be right, Ryan Poles, if you're going to give up a second rounder for a player who then walks. I know you can keep him with the franchise tag and other tools at your disposal, but that is the big concern and risk. Well, so you bring up two points that I think are worth kind of addressing uh, one at a time. The first one is the, the the rewind button to 2022 in the trade for Chase Claypool. Whenever deals like this go down, the, the first question you have to ask is, why is player X available? With Claypool in Pittsburgh, having a receiver with a year and a half left on his rookie deal uh, available to you, 
caused a little bit of head scratching because it was like, okay, this is the Steelers organization. They obviously have have given up far earlier than they typically given up give up on a player with with uh, you know future potential. And so so you had to ask those questions. It's not the same kind of questions that you're asking with Montez Sweat. We all realize that the reason he's available is because they invested on the interior of their defensive line. They were able to give uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen extensions that that obviously cut into their resources there. And that made both Montez Sweat and Chase Young expendable. Both of them find new homes on this trade deadline Tuesday. Um, what was the second point that you made? I had a, a second thought to that. You better be able to sign them. You better right, be able to right. retain them and keep it in Chicago. So what you see is like an assumption that that the Bears have, you would hope, tremendous confidence that they're able to work out an extension. But as I tweeted earlier on Tuesday afternoon in, in you know, kind of casting some lines around the league is that like there's a lot of leverage that Montez Sweat now has if he wants to stay here is the first question he has to ask, right? Like it, the player has some, some control and some power here. And when you're joining a team that doesn't have a whole lot of stability in terms of future direction, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be in week one of 2024. We don't know who the head coach and by extension, the defensive scheme is going to be in week one of 2024. And so if you're asking these questions if, as Montez Sweat or his representatives, you say, hey, for us to stick here, you better do something that hits the sweet spot for us, which is give us a lot of money. You know, show me the money, uh, show us a lot of guaranteed money, make it worth our while to to not turn this into a strong arm arm tactic and and suddenly be engaged in a steering contest. You would hope the Bears again have have confidence that, that they can get that done. Um, you, you know, it does get worrisome to some extent, right? Until we have a, 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 an absolute. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't know how much I, I believe in the Bears' confidence. I think I that's agreed. the problem is that you don't have a regime that has necessarily earned the benefit of the doubt. And and I want to be – that's why I, you you want to embrace the idea of them going out and getting a, a, a player who in 67 NFL games has 67 NFL starts and is durable and productive. And, and long is, and big and fast. Yeah, yeah, he's 6'6", he's 265. He's exactly what you want in an edge rusher. He fits into the scheme, but – I don't know how badly he wants to be here. I don't know how much he's going to like playing here. So I, I don't know that you can project him staying here. That's the thing that you don't feel good about because this is not an organization that you would describe as being stable. <laughs> so the Bears leverage in this situation, obviously, is they would have the franchise tag in their back pocket. And that franchise tag likely will be north of $20 million for defensive ends in 2024. And so that's something that they have to, to assure that they are not just making a nine game rental here at the end of 2023. And I think if it turned out to be that, you know, jobs would, would be lost, right? Like that, that would be inexcusable to give away a second round pick for a nine game rental of a two for a two and six football team. And so you would assume that at the minimum that they would be comfortable using the franchise tag before they even thought about making this trade. Um, and now it's a matter of just kind of hearing from the general manager and trying to get uh, some of his feedback and some of his vision for what this thing can do for them. We'll get into this later, but when you mentioned the franchise tag, immediately I start to wonder, well, okay, Jalen Johnson, who yeah. wasn't traded, who is here and has made noise about not negotiating a contract extension, according to uh, reports. I think Jacina Anderson had reported that now he's going to play out the season and become a free agent. That's that's all well and good, but you do, as a team, have the franchise tag tool at your disposal. You can't use it on both guys. Right. So I wonder if you are going to maybe try to retain 
and maintain a, uh, a relationship with Jalen Johnson, you have the franchise tag possibly to use with a cornerback, which would be around $18 million. Would you, you, you can't whiff on both contract negotiations. You can't, you, you know, you can't strike out and trying no. to get Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat to stay here. One of those guys has got to sign a long-term contract extension. So in theory, you can use the franchise tag on the other if you need to. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, also, uh, all along, I've thought it was probably a little far-fetched, uh, the idea that Jalen Johnson would be a candidate for the franchise tag, because that's going to be in the ballpark, I think you just said, of $18 million in 2024. You've heard me multiple times talk about the transition tag for Jalen Johnson, which is about $2 million less, uh, and it allows you the opportunity to match uh, a deal that uh, and another team signs with Jalen Johnson. We've talked about the precedent with Kyle Fuller and previous regime and how that worked out for the Bears. And so I think the, 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 the question when it comes to Jalen Johnson is what exactly is the number that they are seeking? You know, I, I know like when all this news broke overnight in terms of Jalen being given permission to go um, explore the trade market today and, and see what that might afford him the question is always like what what do you think your worth is in this league you know and 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 so like the, that's when i can't get my brains wrapped around because i don't know who's in the right and who's in the wrong on this one well, um and and it just seems like a situation that doesn't need to be as as difficult as it is but social media blew up right i'm like oh my god just pay the man just pay the man well no you don't you don't just pay him whatever he asks you for can't. no no <laughs> see, see that's you the know? missing piece that's the key piece and we said that on the Mullen Haas show on Tuesday morning, or tried to you know, remind people, you you just don't write a blank check and say, right. here you go, cornerback, we're going to keep you no matter what, because there's a big difference between, say, hypothetically, $20 million a year that he might be seeking, which make him one of the top three cornerbacks in terms of average salary in the league, versus, let's say, 14 per year, which would put him right around 10 to 15, which he might be more inclined that's a big gap dan and i think the in the difference they might might, might want to meet ideally but we don't know what the player or the player's representation wants or is seeking and until we do know that number i don't think that we can reasonably or responsibly say oh the bears don't can't afford to keep jalen johnson jalen johnson may have unreasonable demands right he may not but my sense is that my and tell me if this is overstating it because they gave him permission to seek a trade. In theory, that's like, go out and see if you can get a deal for a team willing to pay you what you think you're worth. Correct. That didn't happen. So my sense is that they weren't able to find somebody out there willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth. Well, there you go, being reasonable and responsible again. What a what a, <laughs> a strange tact to take in 2023 in the, the Bears conversation. Um, 
no, you're right. You're right. And, and like when I saw the, those, um, not even rumors. I mean, there's reports that, 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 that surfaced late Monday night and into Tuesday. My initial thought is what it's been all along is that, that October 31st at 3 p.m. Central time was never a, a significant hard and fast deadline for the Chicago Bears as it came to uh, their hopes of retaining Jalen Johnson beyond this season. They've got four and a half months now to, to watch him play out this season, to change their offer, to see if Jalen and his camp want to change their demands a little bit. And you've got time to massage this a little bit. If Jalen is, is so inclined to, to hit the free agent market next spring, then, you know, that's something that, that he has the luxury to do if the bears don't block him with, with the, the machinery that they have at their disposal. As we mentioned, the, the, uh, the transition tag being one of those, one of those things they can use. And so look like, I, I don't really understand the idea that, you know, I, th- I think that it, we've talked about this in other circumstances here in Chicago, that, Bears fans have gotten so deprived of watching great football that when they see quality football, they think it's like next level great, you know? And like, right. I think, I think the perception of Jalen Johnson around the league is that he's a really good starter, you know, mm-hmm. but he's not like a, a can't live without championship engine piece, you know? And so, okay, fine. That, that, that puts you in a different bracket in terms of what your cost should be and what your value to the rest of the league is. Um, sometimes players need to experience that for themselves to kind of get a better feel for, for who they are. Now, look like you're playing a human being chess game here, <laughs> you know, and that can always get dangerous and disgruntling players like Jalen Johnson to the point where they go, you know, screw it. I don't really want to be here anymore. And that's part of the, 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 the poker game that needs to be played. But at the same time, as you said earlier, you don't just get out the checkbook and hand it to the guy and say, write what you think you deserve and we'll pay it. Yeah. I don't know how, the, how closely this really mirrors the, the Roquan Smith situation or not, because we're not privy to the negotiations. And, and I think Jalen Johnson has successfully, um, I, I think successfully gotten the public on his side yes. because he's a very likable, popular player who's definitely <laughs> accessible, has an outlet to an audience every Monday at five on the score and has used that wisely and shrewdly. And I think that you can't ignore those realities when you're talking about, what the what, what a negotiation entails and all, all of it encompasses. But that said, nothing changes about what we said previously. If you still don't believe that he's a top 10 cornerback, you're not going to pay him like one. No question. So you brought up uh, two things there that I think are worth addressing. Number one is the fact that Jalen's ability to connect through the media with a fan base is significant in terms of being a lesson to uh, other players on on how easy it is to have people at, behind you, you know, and having your back in moments like this in the, the, the court of public opinion just by being, you know, an engaging, honest, forthright person. You know, there's no question that that drummed up a whole lot of support for who Jalen Johnson is. Uh, in social media and the court of public opinion. Now, what is that worth inside league business? I don't know. You know, um, it obviously puts a little bit of added, I don't want to say pressure or strain, but, but, you know, there's something that comes at Ryan Poles in that regard. If he ends up not being able to retain Jalen Johnson, it's going to be viewed whether correct and practical or wrong and impractical. It's going to be viewed as a loss for him because people have, uh, convinced themselves that Jalen Johnson absolutely has to hear, be here as a bear. You brought up Roquan Smith. One of the things that I think is notable here is the reason that the Roquan Smith situation is always relevant to me is because Roquan went out and got exactly what he thought he was owed, right, and deserved. And so that 
is instructive and from the standpoint of of like okay like maybe one team's not willing to pay it but if another is then that is what my value is and that is what my worth is in this league and so if jalen johnson leaves chicago and winds up getting the contract he wanted from another team at a value that the bears wouldn't pay well then that's what he's worth and the bears just have to live with the idea that they valued him at a different uh, uh level there's also the thing that probably the Bears were weighing on trade day, day today that losing him into free agency, potentially you play this out, the worst case scenario, the compensatory pick that they might receive in return with that mysterious for- formula that is used might be just as much as what they would have received today with any hypothetical deal that wasn't going to be a big uh, I don't think that there were teams giving up a second or a third, as you saw yeah. the commander's defensive lineman get because for a cornerback rental, I don't think he's in that same category. So whether it was a, a fourth to sixth round pick for Jalen Johnson, would that be commensurate with what they might get, you know, in terms of compensation, you're better off keeping him, even if you didn't have a chance to make a deal, maybe you didn't, but it just didn't ever reach the level where, okay, this deal, this compensation outweighs what you might get if you if he walks away for nothing. Well, well, look, the compensatory formula, it's worth noting here, is based on your activity in free agency, both exits and entrances. And so if the Bears go out with all the salary cap space that we've documented that they have next spring and they decide to, to pay a bunch of it and they bring in a bunch of free agencies, they're not getting anything back in the compensatory selection formula for Jalen Johnson if he walks away in free agency and they wind up signing you know, six other guys, right? Um, so, so that's worth noting and and, and putting out there uh, look like this will be interesting now because I think the next time Jalen Johnson talks is notable because he, he did take this to a level of requesting permission to play elsewhere, you know? And so, so now you have to kind of face that and own that in a way where, where you have to be honest about what you're asking for. What's interesting to me in this whole saga is that we've we've talked about this multiple times back in the summer jalen talked about the deal that trayvon diggs got with a self-awareness that look i'm not on that level i haven't produced like that and so i'm not asking for that market resetting deal at least at that time i don't know if he thinks the two interceptions off of brian hoyer and aiden o'connell changed his profile in the league but but you would have to think that if his self-awareness is at a level that that is reasonable that it shouldn't be that big of a bridge for these two sides to come together now i will bring this up just because this goes back you know a year plus and certainly in in this past spring's free agency brad biggs and i have heard through multiple channels independent of one another in the agent world that negotiating with the bears under this new regime has been a headache for some camps and that um there are folks as part of Ryan Poles' contract negotiation team, which includes Matt Feinstein, that uh, make it a, a challenge more so than than some agents like. And so it, there's a strain there at times that, that just creates friction, you know, unnecessary friction. And I don't know how much of that is there in the Jalen Johnson situation. I don't. Uh, um, but it is a, a notable thought where, like, you have to eventually – take your financials and your practical spreadsheets and play the human chess game as we talked about and make sure that that it's not just numbers and business and bottom line because uh that creates you know certain dramas that that you might be better off not it's not insignificant at all i think because i think another way to maybe look at that is that at some point in time you wonder if 
your uh, a regime you know who lacks credibility in a in a franchise that has been starving for success at what point do you overpay it, your own guy at what point might you have to just not be as difficult to negotiate with at some point you don't want to concede everything and you don't want to you know make a foolish financial decision but if you are the last thing you want before you're a, a franchise that has experienced any success the last thing you want as an executive team is to be known to, uh, how how difficult you are to deal with right. that's that's the worst reputation you can uh start to carve out and i think if that's the problem or one of the issues with the bears whether it's involving roquan smith jalen johnson etc cetera, etc cetera, then they've got to try to address that as, as best they can. It might become an issue with Montez Sweat, who you might hear right. rumblings. Maybe he's not the most excited guy to get the news <laughs> to come to Chicago. And if that's the case, it's like, why does this exist? Shouldn't any player in the National Football League be thrilled about the opportunity to come to Chicago? Maybe not for the Bears because they stink lately, but what's <laughs> going on about the, the reputation of the organization that is, is making these kinds of rumors Things you have to address. Well, five and twenty is definitely part of that. Okay. Under, under the yes, Ryan Poles manager, who's watched, they're a bottom feeding team, and we've talked about it for a while. They haven't been consistently good in a long time, so it's not like you just come here and your career hits a springboard and and you're destined for stardom. And so you have to to evaluate all those things. I think Mark Potash said this on Twitter on Tuesday morning, and I agreed with his sentiment. Jalen Johnson comes out of the the COVID draft class of 2020 along with Cole Komet, both round two picks, same night couple hours apart, maybe minutes apart, if we go back and, and truly check the timestamps. You have a player that the Bears were able to extend, a homegrown guy in Cole Komet who they believe in and they found middle ground in. I think it would be reasonable to argue that both players have kind of produced similarly for their positions in terms of who they are. And so if you're willing to give Cole Komet a certain reward and Jalen Johnson has, has played his position, you know, at a similar level, I think that's, that's reasonable to say uh, that Cole has played the tight end position for the bears. Uh, then shouldn't it be pretty easy to find the, you know, the cornerback chart and say, okay, so this is where that stacks up on this chart. And this is what, what that value is. And maybe they've done that. And maybe that number doesn't hit the sweet spot for Jalen Johnson in his camp. Um, again, this is a, a lot of questions that that on Wednesday morning at Hallis Hall that, that Ryan Poles will have to be uh, willing, I think, to shed some light on just so that that he has his say in all of the, the business machinations that are going on right now. I think that Jalen Johnson has probably played – outperformed Cole Komet in relative terms. I think he's been better as a cornerback than Cole Komet has been as a tight end. Uh, I don't know if that has con would contribute to the negotiation at all, but Cole Komet certainly took the took the money, and I don't say took it and ran, but he did uh, make it easier to strike a deal. Maybe it's because it's still full of more potential, and Jalen Johnson has been closer to realizing that potential. I I'm not quite sure, but it does, you know, you, you can't come away from this given the way it all has went down, at least I'm speaking for myself here, without wondering if Jalen Johnson's contract demands are realistic. I'll tell and you this, for, for, the, for the final nine games, he's going to ha certainly have every single human incentive to go prove, you know, so you're going to have a motivated player from now through mid-January. Uh, and so if you're interested in production from your defensive backfield, there's certainly one guy who has every motivation to continue producing, even in a season that's pretty wayward. And he will benefit from the presence of Montez Sweat. There's no doubt about it. So back to him, Montez of the midway as, as the Bears release said, he's going to be somebody who gets plugged in right away. I wouldn't be surprised 
it, depending on when he gets to town, if he's active against the Saints. He hasn't missed an NFL game. Here's the one thing I think that's going to create a lot of conversation and already has around Chicago, though. Montez Sweat goes to the Bears for a second rounder. He's 27 years old, I believe, out of Mississippi State, former first rounder. Chase Young, who was also on the block, 24 years old, goes to the San Francisco 49ers for a third rounder. He's got a knee that probably has created a little bit more concern. He has some health issues and durability questions that Montez Sweat, Sweat does not. What did you think about the 49ers paying a three for Chase Young and the Bears getting Montez Sweat for a second rounder? Well, look, and it's not just a three and a two. It's a it's a high two, right? And, and it's a mid to low three, three yeah. right? So there's a big gap between those picks and where they go. I also think there are different circumstances that play in these negotiations. And I don't know how involved the 49ers were with Montez Sweat. And I do know that the Bears were at least engaged in, in talks about Chase Young. That kind of plays a game where where the commanders are in charge of that in in a way that the, you know they're trying to make the most of what they do. Uh, the 49ers have the luxury of pursuing a Super Bowl this season, and so they can they can justify a nine game rental for a third round pick, you know, because they're, they're going after it right now, um, and they need help there. Obviously, they're in a little bit of a tailspin. They need to to regroup there. That's a comparison that's going to be inevitable until both of these players finish their stints with the teams that they're currently with with that so that would be chase young with the 49ers montez sweat with the bears because you have to kind of to, to feel that out and and look like <clears throat> chase young is is still um a guy who come came back from a, a very serious knee injury and so while younger than Montez Sweat, there's certainly some some you know you mentioned durability. There's certainly some questions on okay, what does his long term profile look like? And that's something that you have to factor in when you're making these deals. I think it was jarring for a lot of people to go, whoa, you know, totally different, totally different price tags on those trades for players that um, you know seem to be comparable at, at the very least. I don't know that I have strong sentiments one way or the other because I think it's just two teams trying to do two very different things at different times. So is there any question then that uh, I'm assuming, so we've made a lot about Demarcus Walker who hasn't been, uh, he's actually been pretty good at times uh, for the first eight games of the season for the bears. He's the guy who gets replaced uh, on the, on the defensive front. Dan, I know that you need all kinds of waves and depth and you're going to have a rotation possibly, but my, my sense is that Yannick Ngakwe and Montez Sweat are going to be your bookend edge rushers. Well, right, and Yannick Ngakwe has not produced through the first eight games of the season as he has in most other stops in his career, you know, and so you start to scratch your head on that. You This last game, uh, Dominique Robinson, the draft pick to this regime, was a, a healthy scratch for that game against the Chargers, and so this is a guy that you were uh, hopeful as a day three pick you could mold into, uh, at the very least, a rotational pass rusher, and at the, at, at the best case scenario, a guy who could could become a an okay starter for you and so one of the issues that always comes with the state of a, a team like the bears are in is <laughs> excuse me is is trying to not have to continue filling holes that you could have filled at other times i always talk about this much celebrated trade for dj moore and it's celebrated for a reason because dj moore is a really good football player but if you had been right about chase claypool and you had been right about valus jones you don't have to go get dj moore you know you have two in-house guys that you you targeted with premium draft capital to be big difference makers in your offense and both of them have been complete 
fizzles. You know, one guy's no longer here, and the other one, it's hard to imagine him being in a Bears uniform next season. And so, you know, that just brings me back to the point of, like, you have to get things right so that you don't have to continue utilizing assets to go try to get things right. Like, we have spent so much time since the advent of this particular podcast talking about the noise that the Bears make in in the draft and free agency and trades, and we've spent so little time talking about the noise that they make on the damn football field. You right. know what I mean? And it, it like it's get it gets old at a certain point where it's yeah. like, okay, great, like headline, 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 headline. Go win consecutive games at some point, you know. And to do that, you need high quality football players, and you need to stop going out to get players that fill a hole that you probably should have already been able to address with other uh, roster cycles that you had opportunities to do with the draft and trades and free agency. Last thing on Sweat before we move on to the quarterback situation quickly. So he had six and a half sacks in 2023. Do you expect him to play against the Saints? Typically with a guy like this, it's not that hard. You know, you don't have to learn a whole lot as a pass rusher. I don't expect him to play 70 snaps, but it'd be really easy to see him getting 15 snaps. It's third and, third and eight, and the, and the instruction is go get Derek Carr. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that's pretty easy. And and so I, I, would, I would imagine that they would try to get him ramped up uh, as soon as possible, particularly given, uh, as we've talked about in other circumstances, the Bears face a quick turnaround to play the, the Panthers next week without a whole lot of practice time. So the quicker you can get him kind of in the flow of things, the better off you are for the long haul. And then, you know, again, like this is a guy who's been uh, producing at a career level this season in terms of those sack totals. Well, if he does get an extension, you got to keep him motivated. You got to keep him motivated on a two and six team that doesn't have a whole lot to play for now. That's part of this whole game that 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 uh, faces the Bears down the the final ten weeks of a of a season that is has been very discouraging. Sunday at the Superdome in New Orleans, it will be Tyson Bajan making his third start. Hostile environment, difficult situation. Justin Fields. I was a little bit surprised he was ruled out. The immediately from Matt by Matt Eberflus on Monday, the thumb still healing. Don't know where that is. Dan, first, how surprised were you that they ruled Justin Fields out? And then what are the expectations for Tyson Bajan on Sunday? I'm more surprised that they're so strange about answering a basic question on whether Justin has picked up a football and thrown it. Like, like why, why is the answer to that question so strangely averse in the mind of, of Matt Eberflus and whoever's telling him what to say and what not to say. Uh, that one throws me off. You did label him doubtful on the Monday of the previous two weeks, and you labeled him out on the first day of this week. Is it getting so, worse? <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like it. They keep saying it's improving. He's you know avoided surgery, and they're trying to figure things out. Um, I mean, it does open the door to, to ask questions on, on whether they have – in, uh, incentives not the right word or aspirations of of just seeing more from Tyson Bajan and trying to to figure out how the offense functions with him at the helm we've had two starts right and and two very different starts from Tyson Bajan against the Raiders and the Chargers uh you know where I stood last week in terms of saying like uh, Justin has to be given an opportunity down the stretch of this season to play consistent football to try to show the things that he did for three quarters against Denver and four against Washington are, are things that he can do in an every week basis for a month and a half. Um, and so the faster that you can get him back uh, in the saddle, the, the, the better off you're going to be in, in getting those answers. And so, um, yeah, I, it's, this is going to be an interesting one because I, I, I don't fully know where their head's at right now. We haven't talked to you since you got back from SoFi Stadium in L.A. Uh, Studs and I did the post game pod while you were making deadline. Just curious quickly, 
did Tyson, how big of a step backward did Tyson Bajan take in your mind during an uneven performance against the Chargers? Certainly a lot of promise in this first start, maybe a, a slight setback in his second. Where are you with the rookie? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I it, look like if you, if you stay reasonable and measured with, with your analysis of quarterbacks, you don't fall victim to, to, to the extreme giddiness and, and, you know, major negativity that comes with good performances and rocky ones. This is an undrafted rookie out of division two. Of course, it's not going to be completely consistent and completely even every week. I still think there are things that he does at that quarterback position that are instructive. And I didn't take as much offense as a lot of the bears world did bears fan world did to the broadcast and, 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 Chris Collins was suggesting that Tyson Bajan does things that that would help Justin Fields in terms of just having pocket presence and awareness and the ability to get the ball out and and, and spread it around. The interceptions were, you know, not good. You know, he had two, could have been four. Uh, you see a young player still trying to adapt to the speed and disguises and 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 talent that he's playing against and making some mistakes that that you you have to pay for. It didn't help the Bears that they got down 17 to nothing. It didn't help the Bears that they hit a deep shot on their first pass of the game and then didn't get points out of that drive. Because when you start chasing a game, particularly with a, a rookie quarterback, you're you're playing a much higher degree of difficulty game than you did against the Raiders when you played that thing entirely on your uh, terms and you were able to hand the ball off to Deontay Foreman. You were able to just create, you know, game comfort uh, in that complimentary football way. Totally different atmosphere in SoFi, and the Bears obviously never competed in that football game. Yeah, and I think people need to be uh, reasonable in the way that they're assessing and what they're assessing. He has a second start, and not to make excuses for him, but he's going to be confused like he was on the first interception where they showed cover two and then they dropped the safety and they completely fooled him. And yep. that's going to happen when you have a young quarterback who's not seasoned at reading every defense in every situation. He also, though, though continues to to anticipate throws very well. So there's things he does well. There's things he's going to learn. The bothersome part about the broadcast was that I think the way that it was presented, not maybe not the spirit in which, uh, or, or the maybe the intent. Yeah, there are things that Tyson Bajan does in getting rid of the football that Justin Fields can benefit from by watching him do that successfully. I think the tone of Chris Collinsworth, for example, in saying that that a guy, a, a quarterback with over 30 NFL starts, could learn or study, learn something from studying somebody in a second start was a little bit offensive to some people and I think probably not worded the right way, but I know what he meant. He just didn't say it, I think, particularly well. Not offensive to me. I mean, look, like I, I did think that there were three or four instances in that broadcast where it felt like they were going out of their way to praise Tyson Bajan, and I could see the reaction, particularly in the moment for, for a lot of spectators who are emotionally invested of going enough already. Like, you know, like you've made your point and you're going a little overboard. Um, so like I get the pushback on some of that, but I also do think that there's like this continuing victimization of Justin Fields that like, just, it, it, we have to rein it in. We, well, I like, agree we with that. To I, I, totally, like, I, I agree with that. Totally. The Bears didn't replace Justin Fields. Yeah. Justin Fields dislocated his thumb. It's the whole reason right. the Tyson Bajan story is unfolding before our very eyes right now is because he got hurt on a sack. And so like, let's just chill out with the, like, you know, it, everyone is everyone is out to get Justin you know like right. the boogeyman has come for him and and it's uh it's never going to be okay for him here and he's going to go and be a four-time all pro the next team he goes to um 
So look, like you know, like I, I'm I'm hopeful again that like Justin gets an opportunity to get back on the field soon, gets a series of however many starts are are left in the season, and has his opportunity to finish taking the test. When we talked last off season about you got to see it through. Part of seeing it through is seeing it through. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think that that is uh, part of this equation that the Bears have to focus on as they continue through the end of 2023. Last thing before we get out of here, and it connects all the things that we've been talking about today. So in light of the quarterback situation and the uncertainty about the future at that position, given the fact that they just traded for an edge rusher who could be, if he stays, a very expensive piece to a defense that you feel like is going to carry your team. You now have an investment potentially at edge rusher, at your middle linebacker. And hey, let's say that Jalen Johnson, you come to a deal and you invest at cornerback. Do you make those investments if you're planning to pay Justin Fields in two years? Do you make those investments with the eye on the fact that you're going to try to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback on a rookie contract and a guy that you will draft? Do you connect any of the dots from these moves, which is heavily investing in your defense and the uncertainty of quarterback where you might be building around a rookie with a rookie contract? Oh, well, so, all right. Before I answer that question directly, you also talk about having, you know, a head coach that I think we all agree deserves to be on a little bit of shaky ground. And so you went out and acquired a pass rusher who better have scheme versatility. You know, if you wind up making some hires and somebody wants to come in and, and go to a, a three, four, um, you better have the the ability to, to, to take one of your highly priced assets and plug them in there and feel good about it. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily extrapolate it out that far. I think you're right to ask that question. It's justifiable. And understandable, uh, you know, like the Bears are going to face a decision in the spring on whether to fully guarantee a 2025 salary to Justin Fields of, of a ballpark of $25 million to be the starting quarterback. I think as we sit here today, there's almost no one in our audience that would say, yeah, they're going to exercise that fifth year option. And so if not, then you've got answers to a whole lot of other pieces of this crossword puzzle that you have to fill in to try to figure out which direction this all goes, you know? Um, and so that, that that's part of this. Now, look, like those answers could change if Justin Fields comes back and plays six consecutive games like he played against the commanders. And then you go, well, wait a second. Now we've got to change our entire calculus on everything and, 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 and have deeper discussions on what this is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that's why this is so complicated. That's why the Bears are in such a, a sticky predicament right now, being a really bad football team with not a lot in place. I mean, like, you you can't talk to anyone around the league who looks at this football team and says, boy, they're, they're you know, they're just a couple pieces away from being a, a legitimate difference-making team in this league. And that's where it gets really depressing, to be honest with you. And some of the, uh, you know, Chicago were kind of on fire on Monday and a little bit on Tuesday in terms of all this stuff that's going on. And you're just like, my God, like, this – this is so old in this city. Just yeah. get a good, consistent winning football team. <laughs> you know, right. like just change this for everybody. Let's like change the experience for everybody. That's Ryan Poles' job for now. And he's got to continue going about this with, with a long view that also manages the short view. Yeah. What time are the Hawks on? <laughs> yeah. And I thought that maybe you would get on me for being that very, that's a, that was a very sports talk radio type of question into trying to connect the dots between the defensive end that you acquired and the future of the quarterback position in Caleb Williams. I mean, I, did, I just think it goes back to like the, the boards that you have in your office. I'm like, okay, this is our core for 2023. This is our core for 2024. This is our core for 2025. You always have to have those in mind uh, and you have to figure out which direction you're going so that you can build a nucleus of, of players that can help you win. You know, you, you were here and I wasn't during the, the last period where they won consistently with, you know, the, the core and it was, it was primarily defense and, 
and obviously a little bit of uh, Devin Hester. But that run from 2005 through the end of 2010, you saw a, a stretch of sustained success that it was notable for Chicago, right? Yep. Other cities would go, okay, cool run, whatever. That was notable for the Chicago Bears, and 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 it started because you had foundation pieces that you you knew were winning football players. The Bears don't have those right now and they've got to begin identifying them and they've got to figure out how to uh, do so in a way that's productive and people thought lovey was dull i'll tell you what's really boring losing losing <laughs> is boring and uh, we're sick of it but I'm, so i'll be honest with you because my rewatch I, I found myself bored in like the third and fourth quarters of that game against the Chargers, and i found myself being like man like this is this is no way to live you know this is a, a boring football team getting their teeth kicked in on primetime again you know, and, and by the way, they're going to be on primetime again, most likely against the Vikings in, in November. That's a promise and a threat. Okay, for Dan Weeder and uh, Adam Sudzinski, our producer, that's a recap of the Bears on trade day. Happy Halloween, everybody. The Bears disguised as a playoff team. No, I don't know. There's some sort of joke there, but they were serious today and trying to get better. We'll find out if that worked. What's up, Dan? What's I just wanted to know what you're giving out at your house I, on Halloween. I want to know what what if I ring your doorbell. What's what's going into my? You know what? You put a lot of thought into it. Now it's just <laughs> kind of the bags of candy that a lot of people buy and give out. So I don't think there's anything that special, to be honest with you. And well, then what are you st- what are you stealing from? You know, like you obviously stash some for yourself. And Reese's you say peanut like, butter cups. Okay, so you're the best. Yeah, or, cups, or right. maybe a Twix. Or uh, but you know, as badly as it's snowing and the weather is, I, I expect maybe. Uh, the the door to be knocked at even like half as much as tip as usual. Yeah. Well, so I'll give you my, my final thought today is my my annual rant that one of my favorite candy bars of all time is whatchamacallit. And whatchamacallit does not offer fun size whatchamacallits. And I don't know what kind of candy bar company forfeits the biggest candy holiday of the year by not making fun sizes. So that's my rant. Like it makes no sense to me. Figure I didn't that even one know out. they still made whatchamacallit. Oh yeah, I get them at the gas station all the time. Okay, I, I still am <laughs> waiting for the thingamajig. So, all right, that's good. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. You can watch us on 670 Scores YouTube page. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. See you out there.